This Appetite for Construction podcast is sponsored by Webstone. Did you know there is a smarter solution for system efficiency? It's the new hydraulic separator from Webstone. It combines multiple system components, including mounting brackets and hardware. It has an all-in-one design to complete your installation. Visit webstonevalves.com for more information on their new hydraulic separator. All right, welcome back to the Appetite for Construction podcast. I'm John Mason Brink. I'm here with Tim Ward. Tim, how are you doing? JP, what's going on? Pretty good on this end. Yeah, things are things are good. As you know, I am uh, up in Wisconsin watching my buddy's house. Yep. And his did dog get, has... Did you get uh, much snow? Did you get much snow? No. We got about six inches in central Illinois, nice. which is a pretty decent amount for us, so... I don't know how long it's going to stick around, and we don't have a snowmelt system, so just out shoveling the, the old-fashioned way this morning. That's right. Well, I'm watching this dog, and he's sitting right over here, and I gave <laughs> him uh, I gave him a pill. They said give him a pill every day because uh, it's a long story. But now he's sleeping, and he's dog farting, so I get to smell that while we're with <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> so anyway we Thanks got a for couple that information yeah 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 so <laughs> let's just like get into the podcast and uh, move on so uh we'll speaking of snowmelt systems that's right So let's uh, bring in our guests. We have uh, two. Oh my God, this is an all star cast right here. We have uh, our good buddy, Bob Hot Rod Roar. Hello. How you doing, Bob? Hello. Hello. You have some new facial hair we see. <laughs> looks, looks good. And we good have uh, Bob Dudley of Harris Dudley Plumbing and Heating out of Salt Lake City. Bob, how are you doing? Hey, great. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing pretty good. So, Bob. I hear your name come up a lot, and I've never really run into you. I've never met you in person, so it's nice to to get to talk to you and uh, and kind of chat about the industry. Well, well, thanks. That scares me when you say my name comes up a lot. I don't know if that's <laughs> infamous no, we, or just no, what. We have uh, mutual friends, you know, Dan Foley, uh, John oh, sure. Barba, um, Eric Ani actually uh, has mentioned your name. Uh, as being on one of the the trade councils, advisory boards, and things like that. So, yeah, um, a lot of people know. All good, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Infamous, so, but it, Infamous, it's, yes. yeah. So, it, you know, we wanted to get you on um, and just kind of talk about how you got into the industry and the trades, and uh, we'll talk about some other stuff your company's doing with uh, kind of promoting workforce development. So. How did you get started in in the industry? Well, one summer or at the beginning of summer, uh, my dad said, um, your brother's been working for a year. You need to get your butt into work. Yeah. And uh, I think that's how a whole lot of us in family businesses have ended up in the industry. Yeah. And so started out when when I was 14, uh, just you know, working summers. On the other hand, it was, wasn't necessarily anything that new because dad had been bringing us down to the shop, you know, since we were just, you know, six, yeah. seven years old 
clean the garbage, help put away fittings into uh, to bins and stuff like that. Did you start getting paid at 14? Is that where clicked over to a paying position? Or? <laughs> well, my, my father, God bless his soul, uh, when we were six and seven, he would open up his uh, company branded coin purse and he would, he'd get out a nickel and he would pay us for our four hours worth of putting fittings away in bins. And that was the first pay. But uh, I remember making the big money at 14. That's when we were making 225 an hour. Oh yeah. It reminds me of that movie. uh, What was it called? Richie Rich, where the grandfather gives the kid a buck. He said, I want you to learn how to manage money. Here's a dollar. He goes, a buck. How do you manage a buck? What am I <laughs> so, but yeah, two and a quarter back in those days was probably money. You could buy like what ten shares of Dogecoin right now, Tim? Could you? <laughs> yeah. I think you could. I think you could. Right now, do you co-own the company with your brother Mike? Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So, uh, my brother uh, Mike and I, we both own the company. And just this last May, I got my forty-year plaque oh, for being here forty years of of, you know, uh, growing up in an industry that, you know, at first as a kid, it's like, oh, I don't know, uh, being a plumber, mm-hmm. you know, well, what is that? And then 40 years later, it's like, um, what a what an amazing opportunity um, that at some point I recognized that it was a great opportunity and have been very happy to, to be in the industry. Now, are you third generation, Bob? Isn't there, I thought there's pictures of like horse and buggies in your well not quite horse and buggies but my my uh my brother and i are fourth generation uh plumbers uh we actually are working on the the fifth generation my son chris he's a a second year plumbing apprentice he goes out to you know salt lake community college to do his his school work and he works full-time here and and so, yeah, we're working on that fifth generation. Great. So, yeah, it's almost, what, 90 years of, uh, of being in About 112, according to the website, as I recall. Uh, so the roots, the roots go back to, you know, that 112. Um, so my great-grandfather, he purchased the E.G. Harris Plumbing Company in 1931. Mm-hmm. We always kind of laugh when, you know, unsolicited salespeople call up and want to talk to Mr. Harris or Mr. Dudley. Mm-hmm. And then we say, we're sorry, Mr. Harris died. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, well, that was 1936. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's enough time has passed to heal that wound, I guess. But yes. Uh, yeah. You mentioned 40 years in the industry. What talk, I mean, you're located in Salt Lake city, correct? Yes. Uh, and you cover a, pretty broad area around the Salt Lake area. What, what are some of the, in your 40 years, what are some of the big changes just in the geographic region with just population, as well as some of the industry changes that you've really um, seen in the last 40 years? Yeah. Well, as, as far as geography goes, just like a lot of other communities around the country, there used to be, you know, actual dividing lines in between communities where you'd be in Salt Lake and to get out to, you know, one of the suburbs, Sandy, there'd actually be some farmland or, you know, there wouldn't be solid office buildings. But um, now we, 
we've got an area, f- you know, south of us from Payson all the way up to, to Brigham City that, you know, if you're if you're driving that, that'll take you about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes to get from one end to the other that almost seems like solid population anymore. So some uh, pretty big changes in the Salt Lake region over the last 40 years. I mean, tremendous yeah. population growth. Yeah, tremendous. And um, I remember you know, there again, back in the day and Hot Rod will laugh at this because, you know, his, his company, Hot Rod and Yawks was based up in Park City. But, you know, when, when my involvement in the company really got going, dad was like, we don't travel all the way to Park City. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the, I mean, that's laughable because, you know, right now, you know, 75, 80% of my work is in Park City. And, you know, my guys are, traveling it every day. And there's days that I'll go up and down, uh, uh, the Canyon twice, uh, for different appointments. And, and we've ex- even, uh, built a, a satellite shop up in park city. So just an amazing amount of growth, uh, in the area. To answer the, the second half of your question was what, I- what changes I have seen in the industry. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, uh, I, I keep finding myself sounding like my dad as far as like, oh, boy, the way things have changed. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we were still. Um, Back pouring, when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, when I was a kid, we used to pour <laughs> lead joints and, and <laughs> yeah. you you know, caulk a joint uh, on, a, uh, on a closet flange. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember like we would, uh, you'd do a bathroom remodel or something and you'd salvage the old lead closet uh, bend. And, uh, we still had the, um, you know, the lead pots and the ingots and, and we'd, we'd recycle our own lead and, uh, melt it down. And I remember, yeah, as a kid helping dad pour ingots of lead and, you know, you wouldn't do that with your children nowadays, but that was, that was nothing back then. And, and, um, you know, using snap cutters and, uh, you know, we, we still do some cast iron in some of the custom homes we do for uh, sound uh, attenuation because um, yeah. nobody wants to hear the water running down the toilet in your, yeah. your big fancy house. And these guys, it's like, just go get the snap cutter. It's quicker. Oh, but the, it's so rough and it's, you know, all this stuff. So, um, you know, we were still threading some galvanized pipe back then. And, um, you know, nowadays, if it's, if it's not pressing pecs or copper, um, man, you feel like you're just moving at a snail space. Yeah. So yeah. huge amounts of changes. Yeah. And you were talking about some of these custom homes that you're building, you know, they're in the 30, 40, $50 million range. I can imagine just the sheer scope of the plumbing included in some of those types of homes with the radiant systems or the snow melt. I mean, gosh, that that's inc- incredible. Just square footage of a home I'm, I'm imagining. Uh, yeah. Um, so we're, you know, a, a small house for us is like five to 8,000 square feet. Wow. And then uh, we, we typically have like three or four going that are in the, um, you know, 10 to 20,000 square feet. And then usually once a year, once every two years, we're in the 20 to 40,000 square foot range. My goodness. Wow. 
Uh, we've had, I think we've worked on four different houses where the nickname was Rivendale, you know, from, from the Hobbit. And it's, you know, these owners think it's this unique paradise that they have, but the billionaire down the road has the, the house with the same name, but, um, and, and you just see crazy things. I think, you know, uh, half a dozen houses that have, you know, quote unquote bat caves where, um, these folks will store, uh, 10 different cars and, and, you know, stuff that never gets driven. It's, it's just kind of crazy. So hot rod had to jump off to another meeting. Um, but, um, you know, before we jumped on, you had mentioned, you know, the Salt Lake area getting, almost like record snowfall and you were talking about snowmelt. What is the the biggest component of your business? Is snowmelt a big chunk of it or what, what, what would you say is the biggest part of the business? Yeah. So snowmelt and radiant uh, are very large components um, to our business. Typically when we're doing custom homes, they have uh, both radiant and snowmelt. Um, some of these houses are at, you know, uh, 7,000 feet. Some of them are up, uh, 9,000 feet in altitude. And so in those ranges, they can get 150 to 300 inches of snow a year. Um, uh, up towards Alta this year, I think they're headed towards 600, uh, inches of snowfall this year. Um, so a, a huge part of our business you know, putting in lots of uh, ModCon boilers, uh, lots of uh, lots of PEX tubing. You know, I think uh, over over our history of really concentrating on hydronics, um, we're in the six or seven million feet of tubing installed um, over the past um, you know twenty five years since we really started to concentrate on that resurgence in hydronics that that we all saw tell me if i'm crazy uh bob so there's a there's a show coming up and it's in vegas and uh instead of flying directly to vegas i'm flying to salt lake city and hot rod and i are going to drive to uh vegas and uh it's what five and a half hours maybe five hours it is. I mean, it's it's not crazy because we we both know that you and Hot Rod will have no end of subjects to talk about on that five and a half hour drive, and it'll be an interesting and entertaining drive. <laughs> well, that it will be. That's I'd like it. To be a bug in that in that jeep. But will there be like a snowstorm or some sort of thing that might prevent us from getting to our destination? That's what I worry about. Oh yeah, quite possibly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to your six, nearly 600 inches of snow, my goodness. I mean, just – and some of these house, custom customized houses, I mean, you're putting in 4 or $5 million worth of plumbing in these some of these McMansions, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, some of them, you know, um, half a million dollars worth of mechanical up to $2 million, you know. Part of it depends on the snowmelt system. Sure. Absolutely. But um, uh, some of these things um, are, are more complicated than most light commercial jobs. It's, it's, you know, people scratch their head at us when, you know, you do go to AHR and you say, I need a, a 2 million BTU residential boiler. Mm-hmm. And the manufacturer's just like, what? okay, quit pulling my leg. What are yeah. you really using this for? And I'm like, no, it's snow melt. It's, 
you know, I've, I've got, uh, you know, 10,000 square feet of snow melt and, uh, I need a, you know, 1.6 million, 2 million BTUs, um, stuff like that. So it's in some days it's kind of scary. The number of BTUs we've installed. Um, wow. I, you know, I don't know if we're burning a billion BTUs every snowstorm in park city, but if, if I start to think of, um, you know, some of the uh, snowmelt systems that we've installed at ski resorts and mm-hmm. these these crazy houses and stuff like that. There's a lot of BTUs that fire up every snowstorm. Tim, I was thinking that uh, there's a winter weather advisory posted every time we get like three inches of snow or less. Well, like I said, I we got six <laughs> inches today and I, I now I'm guessing it'll be melted within a couple of days. But yeah, it was it shut the airport down here, it shut down a lot of stuff in our neck of the woods, but up there in Salt Lake City area, that's six inches is nothing. Right. Well, you guys are like the post office through wind, sleet, snow. <laughs> I mean, you get the job done, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, we just, you know, at any any vehicle we drive is either four-wheel or all-wheel drive. Yeah. Um, it, it just has to be. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a very different experience, uh, than a lot of my, you know, uh, friends across the country, uh, where maybe they do one or two snowmelt systems a year or something like that. But it's pretty hard for us to have a week that goes by that we're not putting down some sort of uh, radiant or snowmelt, uh, tubing, no matter what time of the year, obviously, Right now, we're putting we're not putting down any snowmelt tubing outside, but I've got crews that are, are putting down uh, radiant. You know, yeah. today it just doesn't stop. How many employees do you have? So uh, I think headcount today is around fifty three, um, something like that. I could use sixty three or seventy three if we could find them. A couple of weeks ago, or I don't know, Hot Rod and I talk frequently, so maybe a couple of weeks, few weeks ago, he was he was telling me about you and your background, and he said one of the interesting things about your company is that uh, you go to high schools and maybe pick up people who are interested in in getting into the trades and bring them to uh, your your shop and kind of go into the motion, see if they're interested, maybe train them. Can you explain what what happens with this program? Well, yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't call it a formal program right. and it's slightly less creepy than hanging out at high schools and picking up children. <laughs> That's how, exactly how I just described it. Too. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, there's one of the local school districts that, uh, does have, um, uh, a program that, um, you know, reemphasizes, uh, the, the trades, so uh, we've got a connection there. Honestly, it's it's a it's a place where the education system kind of throws some people that maybe don't fit in some other places. And um, I really wish that the the education system would figure this out. I think that there's some good momentum that has made people figure out that college is not for everyone, but post high school education should be for everyone. Um, and so we've, we've picked up some, some good long-term employees off of this, uh, program. I think it's important to actually get to some of the school counselors. And sometimes that's, that's tough to do because, you know, talking to a high school student and telling them the advantage of, 
of working in the trades and and uh, how they can can fit in where they're you know they're the kids that are fidgety in a seat and don't like school but they love to work with their hands and they like to tinker and everything like that. Um, frankly, sometimes parents and school counselors they they don't get it. Um, they they think that the only path is is college. And uh, we try to find those that like to work with their hands. I mean, JP, you've said it a thousand times on this podcast. It starts at home and it starts with the parents. Yeah. When the, when the, when the, when the mom's talking to another mom about the excitement of her son becoming a plumber, going through an apprenticeship, um, that's when things change. That's yeah. when things change. And I, I think there has been some success over the last couple of years. I mean, you notice across, I mean, just turn on HGTV and see all the things that are going on with HGTV. And I think the perception is slowly changing, but it can't change fast enough in my, you know, in my eyes. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Bob, when I went on your website, uh, I noticed that you have some positions open, you're hiring, and a lot of people are across the country. Is it just a matter of finding good help or are we just not? Are, are, are just people not willing to work anymore? I mean, why, why all these openings? I, I spend a lot of time, a lot more time now than I used to just trying to get people to, you know, to answer ads. I believe the pandemic changed a lot of things. There was a whole lot of people that um, retired. Mm-hmm. And so we've got these, these gaps in the workforce. And then, there was a lot of people that liked working from home. That's a little harder with plumbing than some yeah. other careers. Um, it's hard to get people to bring their toilets in to be repaired. Um, so can't do that. We need more people in the workforce. And I also think that some things have changed. I, I hate to be the guy that says this next generation is different than our generation. I'm not saying our generation was awesome, but the the speed at which you can get a job and then decide you're going to do something else mm-hmm. um, is is just is just crazy. Um, we've had people that have said yes to the job and um, have said they're going to go get lunch and then never yep. come back. Wow! Yeah. Um, and then we've also got you know um, a, a solid group of of employees that have been with us for decades, and it's it's just trying to figure out what what really connects with this next generation of of uh, trades workers. Yeah, you mentioned next generation, and I'm just trying to imagine like if you hire someone and they're on the job and you see them on their phone or they're you know how do you how do you approach that, or is there a policy you just can't bring a phone on the on the work site, or how does that work? No, I have a, a good friend who's a contractor, and we were talking about that, and he said, you know, uh, the phone break is the new cigarette break. Yeah, and yep. and and so it's a matter of you know, usually it's the journeyman barking. Uh, as journeymen have barked for a couple yeah. thousand years, maybe five thousand <laughs> since the building of the pyramids. Um, have been barking at, um, you know, barking at the uh, the apprentices to do something differently, and and you bark at them to get off their damn phone. You just, but everybody's got to have a phone. Um, it's it's also a security blanket too. 
But you also mentioned the generational differences. Do you see your policies changing for that younger generation where maybe you let them come in later or, well, there's just different ways of skinning the cat, I guess. Well, speaking of skin, I remember being around the dinner table with my dad and my brother and, and my dad said, I interviewed a fellow today and he had a tattoo (laughs) and, you know, this was probably in, oh, you know, in, in 86 and, and he wasn't a sailor and, you know, scandalous. And, um, you know, nowadays, obviously it doesn't come up because, um, uh, everybody's got a tattoo. I think, uh, I, I might be the last guy in the United States that doesn't have a tattoo and not that I don't like tattoos, but I'm cheap. We don't either. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm too, I'm too damn cheap to, to, to pay for one. So, well, you know what my issue would be? I have nothing against tattoos, but if I got one, you know, over the years, like I'd get something that would look, you know, masculine and then I get fat and it just droops and it, looks, <laughs> it, looks, it would look like something completely different than what it was. Right. Anyway. Exactly. Anyway. So it, it just, you know, that's, that's one of those, those changes, but, but no, we, we work four tens. We've been working four tens for, I think, uh, 20 years now. And I'm the first one to admit that, that I don't like to be to work at 7 a.m., but just what it allows people to do um, on Fridays that, you know, my guys, um, most of the time they end up with three-day weekends. And um, well, plus you're, you're in a job that the, if it's an emergency, or it dictates when you have to be there. You know, you can't, can't just kind of stroll in whenever you want, I guess. Right, right. Um, so I don't, I don't think that that, you know, starting times or stuff like that change much, but, but um, it's interesting, you know, you, you show the apprentices, here are the plans to the house and you no longer have that rolled up uh, set of blueprints, um, but it's on an iPad and, you know, you're scaling off using Bluebeam on an iPad or you're pulling up specs, you're, you're, you're grabbing uh, things from Dropbox and being able to pull them up on the job. Or if you forgot the, um, uh, the heat loss to show the building inspector, you can, you can email it and they can pull it yeah. up. And, yeah. and so there's a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, there's, you know, the programming of the boilers and the controls and, and stuff. So, you know, some of that stuff really appeals, um, to, to some of these, uh, guys and gals that, um, have, have grown up with cell phones, with computers, um, and not the abacus that, that I grew up with. Well, there's no doubt technology has really become rampant in our industry, but I am curious that journeyman that's out there that uh you know they're out there and they're on a job and they hey bob can i take some pictures of this and post it on my instagram or my tiktok a video on facebook or something how do you how do you address that we do sign some contracts that basically say no photos so the the guys know that ahead of time but uh you know as long as it's it's not uh showing anything identifiable to, uh, you know, or a security risk that somebody might think, then, then absolutely, you know, 
Um, we don't, as a company, have an Instagram or or anything like that because apparently I'm, you know, a generation behind. <laughs> but um, it, it's pretty cool for these guys to to show off their their work and and to be able to to be proud of what they're doing. So I did a, a ride along with Dan Foley out in uh, in DC. And I got my ass kicked out of the house from the homeowner. She uh, wasn't too happy I was there. But uh, Dan was very apologetic about it. But I kind of understood her point. Like if there was an insurance um, issue or something was missing or, you know what I mean? Like I understood the the need for her to give me the boot. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. just thinking some of these homes, that, uh, some of these commercial, uh, customized homes, and some of the mechanical systems in there are got to be very ornate, pretty cool looking, I'm guessing. And, you know, as a, you know, somebody installing that stuff, I'd want to show, you know, some of my work and can only imagine the uh, challenges that uh, some of those installers might have. Right. We, we had uh, one house in Park City. I believe the asking price was $42 million. And um, it actually, when they were, it was a spec house. And when it got sold or right around the time it got sold, they, they produced an hour long video on the house and you can actually see it on YouTube in that house. We actually had to, um, use the job site crane to crane the 2 million BTU boiler, uh, down through an open area in the house that, uh, would eventually have a skylight, uh, to get it to the lower level because houses that, with that much money, they don't have basements. They have lower levels. That was a that was a pretty good video that uh, my journeyman on the job took, and then he he posted it online. Talking to you now, it just kind of made me think about the evolution of a plumber. You know, you work at a plumbing and heating company, and you know the stigma is a plumber. You know, they're dirty, and it's you know they're working with poop and all this stuff, and. We just got done talking about snowmelt systems and $30 million homes, and, and you're responsible for basically the infrastructure of these homes. And I go back to your education. You went to uh, University of Utah, is that right, for a business major? Yeah, that's that's correct. So while I was going to plumbing school, I was also you know on the six- or seven-year route uh, to getting a, a business degree. Yeah. Um, my brother, uh, he he basically did the same thing, but different. He uh, he got an engineering degree uh, while he was also going to plumbing school. The the stigma of all plumbers do is unclog toilets. You know that that's actually something that we do talk to about the high school kids. Is we install a lot of piping, we install a lot of systems, we deal with a lot of complex things. We we see stuff that you would normally not see in a good way. I mean, heat load calculations, I, I guess you got to do math for that, right? Right. Or at least you got to <laughs> plug in some numbers into a program. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think it's pretty cool that you're, you're working with all these components, equipment, uh, the knowledge that you have to do, the training that you get. I mean, and you're getting paid for it while you're being trained. I mean, how, how cool is that? It's pretty amazing. So it's just a matter of like any sort of marketing. It's it's marketing <clears throat> to this next generation of there are some alternatives to getting 60, 
$100,000, in debt to yeah. be making uh, the same or less money as what our tradespeople's are. And yeah. and I do think that uh, the, the word is getting out. Yeah. John, think about it. Four tens, you've got your Friday off. You can ski all weekend or you can get a snowmobile and go snowmobiling all weekend. That's a hell of a life right there. It is. Speaking of that, Bob, what do you like to do uh, when you have a minute spare time? Well, I guess um, my wife and I, uh, our hobby would be travel. That involves a little bit more than a spare minute here and there. Um, otherwise, I do end up taking a, a fair amount of you know photos of, of our job sites and stuff like that. Other than that, I'm pretty boring. Are you uh, headed to Ish at all uh, in March? Do you think you're going to be there? No, not headed to Ish. Been to Ish two or three times, and it's kind of like going to a strip club because you can look, you can't touch, you may not be able to get the merchandise back here. So, um, <laughs> I've never uh, been to a strip club, so I can't answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so it just you know you, you go ask, hey, can we can we get this in our area? It's like no, this is for Europe only. But it's a yeah. uh, Ish is a really cool. Uh, cool experience. Um, well, we we plan on going, and uh, yeah, we're in, going in March. I just saw that the Germans are lending tanks to, to Ukraine. To Ukraine, yeah. So, oh, you know, Putin wants to bomb uh, Germany now. So, <laughs> and now, well, the U.S. is doing it too. So, why not yeah. just have a big bomb party? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> hey, hey, JP. You know what? When him and his brother are in the same room, do you know what you have? Two Utes. <laughs> ah, two Utes. <laughs> okay, so speaking of hobbies, I am a huge Utah fan. You should so, be. Uh, yeah, hell of a good football. Hell of a good football yes, team this year. Yes. Uh, Hot Rod always says you you and Max always talk. You know Utah yep. sports, and he's kind of left in the dark. He doesn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Good football team. I've got a friend whose daughter goes there, and she abs- she they're from Georgia. She absolutely loves it. it everything I hear, it's it's a great school. Oh they yeah, beat, absolutely. They beat, they beat USC twice this year, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. <laughs> After all the you know poop talking was going on, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was pretty sweet to see that. Oh man. Well, thanks for uh, jumping on today. We really appreciate it. It's good to get to know you, and we'll, we will see you at the trade shows. I'm sure we'll, we'll run into you. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make sure that when we're in Atlanta, we we stop by and uh, talk to you guys. Well, thanks again for uh, jumping on, and uh, appreciate your time. And it was really really a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Let's do it again.